John chapter 10. So Jesus said, verse 7, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, I, I myself am the door for the sheep. Have you heard all these messages on keys? Seven keys, ten steps. and So years ago, I heard Prophet Kuber say, you know, he went to this conference and the one session after the others, five keys for this and six keys for that and seven keys for that. So he stood up when it was his, his time and he said, you know, we've got all these keys. Can somebody show us the door, please? <laughs> all right, so, but Jesus is the door. But we need to just, we need to just understand that Jesus is the, is the open door. Okay? Um, John chapter, uh, um, Revelation chapter 4, he says, I turned around and I saw a door standing open in heaven. So the open door is the crucified body of Jesus on the cross. Because Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and 20 says, He opened up a fresh new living way for us, which He initiated and dedicated for us through the power of the blood of Jesus, through the separating curtain, that is, through His flesh. So His broken body and His blood poured out is the open door. So Jesus said, I am the open door. All others who came as such before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to and obey them. I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved, brackets, will live. And he will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. The thief comes only in, to, only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflow. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own life for the sheep. The hired servant who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away. And the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Now the hireling flees because he merely serves for wages and is not himself concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. Isn't it amazing? Jesus, we, we can just praise God that Jesus wasn't the Messiah for money. <laughs> Imagine the first mention of the cross and he would just run away, you know. So, so he, he went through it all because he was concerned for the sheep. So he's laid down, he laid down his life. Okay, so um, I think one of the biggest things that we can see in this scripture is the thief who is not Jesus comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come as the open door. If those who come in will be saved, they will live. Jesus comes and he says that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So, for you to have life, you need to go through the door. And you need to find Him. He is your life. He is life. So, without Jesus, no life. Okay? So, it, it goes like this. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we die to the natural life of death. And we are raised to a supernatural life in the Spirit in union with God. That is what Jesus came to give us. So we have to leave the one for the other. If you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. So you lose the natural life and you gain the supernatural life. So what's the natural life that we lose? Our own opinions. Our own doing it our way if we think we are right or you know we are we the stubborn way that we are you know we we want to do it our way and we surrender and we yield to the holy spirit and we let him live in us and through us so it will cost you nothing but it will cost you everything you don't have to to pay to qualify 
but you surrender everything that you are. But what you get is everything that He is. Okay, so in Him is life. So I want to just jump to John chapter 1. So Jesus was the Word, became flesh. He's still the Word became f- that became flesh. Even though Jesus is in invisible form, He's still in His body. Okay? He wasn't uh, left in the tomb, right? He got out of the tomb. His flesh and bone body. Out of the tomb. And He was taken up in heaven. So His, his body is in the invisible in heaven at the right hand of the Father. All right? Which means that when the Spirit of God was poured out, heaven was poured out, and when it went into humanity, when we received the Spirit of God, Jesus in His flesh body, in the Spirit is in us. So now, through His broken body, We have access to heaven, but through his broken body that's raised from the the dead, he has access to earth to demonstrate the Father, to demonstrate the glory through us. Okay? So he wears you like a glove. If you receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in you. And you are the body of Christ because the body of Christ in spirit form is inside you. All right. Okay, so don't worry. That's for free. Okay. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through Him. And without Him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus, in the Word... That became flesh. In him, life. Life was the light. So, the life, light. It's what God is. It is who God is. So, for sure, Jesus, if he manifests from the invisible, you will see light. But when the word is preached and hearts are touched, what happens is life comes to the heart and suddenly you see. You start to experience life and suddenly your perspective changes. So the life is the light. In the word was life and the life was the light. So the life makes you see. Light makes you see, right? So the life is the light, so the life makes you see. So if you experience the life of Jesus, you will have his perspective. If you experience the life of Jesus Christ, you will suddenly have revelation in the scriptures and you will see things that you didn't see before. So darkness is I can't see. Life, uh, light is I can see. But we see in his life. So he, he takes us from death to life. All right? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him might, what? Not perish, but have what? Life. Eternal, everlasting life. Okay? Then He says, He did not send His Son to judge, but that the world might be saved. So His heart, His intention is salvation. Okay? And then He says, verse 18, Those who believe in Him will never Never, never be condemned. Never be judged. So the word of judgment comes from where? From the covenant that God made with Israel. If you do, you get, if you don't do, you're cursed. And the doing that it requires is impossible, so everyone was cursed. So the whole thing was darkness. So in the law, nobody sees. Okay? Because the law leads up to death. Okay. So the thief, Jesus said in John chapter 10, all those who came before me are thieves and robbers. So what, who came before Jesus? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes. 
Okay, but if you really want to take it from Genesis, who came bef before Jesus came? The, well, Jesus is the tree of life. The tree of knowledge came, was, well, manifested in man before the tree of life was manifested in man, if you want to put it in that way. Man ate from the tree of knowledge first and then from the tree of life now after Christ. Okay, so the one source kills you, the other source gives you life. So darkness is nothing other than the distinction between right and wrong. No, yes. There's nothing wrong with knowing something is right and something is wrong. But the problem is it causes you not to look to Jesus. He knows what's right and wrong. I must know Him and trust Him, and He can lead me. So if I want to find information separately from God to try and figure my own way out without His leading, that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you live in separation from Him who is life, who is light. You don't see your way, and you find your way into a ditch. The blind leads the blind, and they both fall into a ditch. So how can I say it's blind? Well, two scriptures. The law makes you blind. Second Corinthians 3 verse 15, you can all quote it. When Moses is read, a veil, a veil lies on their hearts and minds. So their hearts and their minds are covered, they don't see. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 is the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they could not recognize the illuminating light of the gospel of Jesus Christ right so what causes people not to see the illuminating light the veil of Moses so the God of this world isn't Satan the God of this world is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but Satan is in it <laughs> He uses the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to catch the people. From the beginning, the tree of knowledge was there and the serpent was in it talking. Okay? I want you to understand this. If, you, if you're trying to figure out the right thing to do, you're distracted. It may be right, but it's not life. Okay? Endless reasonings, endless discussions about right and wrong and about all kinds of things. How about we just surrender our hearts to Jesus? And you have a thought and you do it and it works. Okay? He leads you. He says, for instance, just call those people and ask them you want to buy the building. No one advertised the building. They merged those two congregations in 2002. Okay, so they've been going on like this for 19 years. They were not advertising the building. But one day, we just, we just felt we need to call these people. And we asked them, listen, we heard that you merged. Do you want to sell your building? And now we're buying the building. How would we ever have bought a building? There's, there's no way. There's no buildings advertised that we can use for a church. There's nothing. I searched everywhere. Irma searched everywhere. <laughs> okay, we, we searched. There's nothing. And, and if there's something that's kind of, kind of like working, it's so expensive that you can't do it. So God says, call these people. So we call them. We didn't know how, we, didn't, we just called them, do you want to sell it? So they said, okay, give us a one-pager, what do you want? So I said what I want, and they gave us all that we wanted, all of it. So I just wrote everything I dreamed of. I want you to do it this and this and this and this way. They said, that's right, we'll do it. How does this work? I don't know. But I believe God is working it out to be a blessing for us and a blessing for them. God is not going to let them lose. It's going to be a blessing for them and a blessing for us. All right? Okay, so what I'm trying to say is 
I wasn't trying to figure out all the information to try and make the right decision. There was a prompting, and we called them, and it went from there. All right? So there's a tree of life, and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. You, you don't have to find your own way. You can follow him, and he is life. So you can be right without having life. That's one of the greatest deceptions. So that's the God of this world. People don't want to hear what the Spirit says. People don't want to follow what God says. People want the knowledge so that they can lead themselves. Okay? But if you just come to God, He will give you all the knowledge. Besides, He will give it to you anyway. But if He gives it to you, it's wisdom from above. But if you find it on your own, it's wisdom from beneath, and the results are opposite, even with the same information. So let him show you. With that, I'm not saying don't study and don't... No, study. It's good. Do you know that all these inventors... Do you know Isaac Newton wrote more about commentary on the Bible than he did on physics? Do you know that all these people, these inventors and all these guys that we learn about, they, were, they knew Jesus. They were believers. And they got these ideas... Where do you think they got the ideas from? Okay? <laughs> All right, I'm giving, getting a little bit off track. Okay. Jesus will reveal to you. Okay. So the tree of knowledge will blind you. When you can't see, you're in darkness. Darkness is, I cannot see. The law will cause you to not see, not understand. You read, but you don't get it. The Spirit of God reveals, but He reveals the face of Jesus. So you see the person on every page, and you get to know Him. And when you get to know Him, you start to reflect Him. So in, in seeing Him, you start to recognize the person. So in, you start to experience the life coming from Him. And that life makes you see. The life was the light. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. All right? So it's all about knowing him. All right. So I just want to read a couple of scriptures that underlines that. It's not a very difficult word. It's just something that I want to share. That I really believe is so important. Stop, stop looking for information. Start finding the person. That's where you will have life. In him is life. In him is light. Okay. Philippians chapter 3 says, verse 7, Whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I've come to consider it as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing, understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse or dregs, in order that I may win Christ. That's the point. So, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. They, they thought he was just like the best. He said, I, all of that is rubbish compared to just knowing Jesus. That in order that I may gain Christ. Okay? He says, and that I actually may actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands. Ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God. Uh, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ... The truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him. So my purpose is not that I may have a doctor's degree. I'm not against the doctor's degree, but hear me. My purpose is not that I have these accolades and those accolades and, and that I have this title or that title or become moderator. 
Well, I can't be moderate. moderator of what? I'm not in a denomination, so <laughs> I can just declare myself moderator and I'll be moderator, you know, so, <laughs> so, so <laughs> but get what I'm saying, people are chasing these titles, what for? What, what will it help you if you are the, the, the king of the hill, but you don't know Jesus, what's the point? When last have you, have, have you felt him? When last have, have you had an encounter with him? And that's it. Our aim needs to be fine-tuned to know him and nothing else. Nothing else is, is of value. Okay? So he says, My determined purpose is that I may know him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit to the likeness of his death, in the hope that if possible I may attain to the spiritual moral resurrection that lifts me from among the dead even while in the body. All right. Listen. We need to experience and manifest the life flowing out of Christ's resurrection. That life needs to flow through us. Okay? All right. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, what does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, so see, light has come. See, open your eyes. Behold. The new has come. Okay, so if any man be engrafted in Christ, says the Amplified. So John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If any person is engrafted in me, abides in me, he will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. So the life that flows from the vine needs to flow into the branch so that the branch can bear the fruit of the vine. Okay? So, we need to abide in Him. The, the only way to abide in Him is to be engrafted in Him. The only way to be engrafted into Him is to be baptized into Him. So, baptism is important. Okay, so he says... Um, on the way to Romans 6 I'll just visit 2 Corinthians 5.14 but we're going to read Romans 6 now so it says um, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ moves us impels us Afrikaans dring ons it, it moves us. It kind of forces you. The love of Christ moves us because we are of the opinion that if Christ died, all died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who was raised again for his sake. Therefore, we don't know anyone, according to the flesh or Amplified says, after a human point of view. So your perspective changes as life comes, as light comes. You see people differently. You see people as Christ sees them. So now you are moved with love for them instead of judgment for them. So there was a time in my life where I was moved with judgment for people. And if you, if you would just walk past me, I would have something judgmental to say to you. You know, yeah, but da, 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 da. always something negative, always something wrong, or something. But something changed, and now I have compassion with people who are struggling with a certain thing because I can see that they're struggling. In the past, I said, "Why don't you just stop doing that?" Da, 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 da. You know, what does that help? It doesn't help anyone out of anything. So. If I judge someone that's doing a certain thing, I'm pouring petrol over the fire and I'm keeping them there. 
because I'm, I'm reinforcing that identity that they believe about themselves. But when I come with love, do you know love can disarm people? Do you know love can just you know, break down all the barriers and all the stuff? If you come and people, don't exp people, people know they're wrong long before you tell them. <laughs> and they expect judgment and here someone comes and loves them. Do you know that has the potential to completely change them? Because someone saw them from a different perspective. Someone saw them from the perspective of, of Christ who can see, who, who has life, who is life. And suddenly their eyes open and they realize that they are lovable. Okay, so suddenly their hearts are touched. Someone has shown compassion. So they, their whole belief about who they are starts to change because someone showed love. Okay, the love of Christ moves me because we're of the opinion that we all died in Christ. Okay, so this is, this is the mechanics behind it. This is how it works. How we die to that tree, that stupid tree of... <laughs> of knowledge of good and evil that produces death and that causes us to curse everyone around us and how we then are grafted into this tree of life and bear the fruit of the tree of life. This is how it works. Romans 6. What shall we say to all this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Okay, so now I was talking to Romans 6, Romans 7. He's speaking of people who live in sin, Romans 6, Romans 7, who are acquainted with the law, if you read 7 verse 1. So the law of, the, of sin and death. So people living in sin. So they are grafted into the tree that gives knowledge of sin. Okay? So when, when I grew up, I thought the knowledge of sin was a good thing because then you know what not to do, right? But that's where the temptation comes from, <laughs> you know? So that's Romans chapter 3, verse 20, right? 19 and 20 says, By the law is the knowledge of sin. The knowledge of sin. So I thought, okay, great. Now I know I'm not going to do that. And then that's exactly what you're going to do. Because that's all you think about. You never even wanted to do anything like that. You, but you do it. Because that's all you think about. Because the law says you shouldn't do it. Okay, can I, can I see the hands? Can I see? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I told you the story about the kids. You know, they, they had hidden cameras and they did this experiment with children. Like small children. And... There was a party, and they put all the sweets and everything out there. They, say, they said, you can have anything you want. As much of it as you want, but there was like a lot. It's just You can have anything you want. But just one thing. Don't spit on the flowers. <laughs> and they whispered that in the ears of the kids. The very last one of them spat on the flowers. <laughs> Who spits on flowers? <laughs> no one spits on flowers. So, <laughs> so, that knowledge gets stuck in your head. It starts to bother you. So, Romans 7 verse 8, Sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself. So, verse 11 says, Sin used the law as a weapon against me and killed me. Okay? So he says, once I was a, alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, uh, sin revived and I died. Okay? So the commandment to not do something is the most effective way to get you to do it. Okay, have you seen students on campus? Don't do this. Okay, they all do it. You know, don't jump in the fountain. They all jump in the fountain, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
it's it's like those silly sign boards. It's just beware this sign board has sharp edges. You know, it's like uh, just take away the signboard, then there's no problem. <laughs> so the the commandment that tells you what not to do is in itself the problem. Can you see that? Okay. That doesn't make the sin less sinful. But for some reason, we are just suckers for it. And we are suckers for religion. Because now we messed up. Next step, what can I do to make it right? But both of those scenarios are completely avoided when we just live in Him. Okay? So Romans chapter 14 says, that which is not of faith is sin. So anything that flows out of your head, <laughs> that doesn't flow out of the vine abiding in Him, that doesn't flow out of the Spirit and the Word, is contrary to, to your true nature in Christ. It's, it's, it's against who He is. So we still have a mindset of, is this sin or is this not sin? Is this sin? Or can I do this or can I not? It may be for you fine, but for another one not. So ask the Spirit. So if, if your whole attention is just on the Spirit, to know Him, to know Him, to experience Him, you're not thinking of what you should or shouldn't do. You're not thinking of what choice you should make. You're not thinking of, should I buy the blue pen or the red pen? Should I buy the pink toothbrush or the orange toothbrush? All those decisions people want to make. You know, God says, just pick one. He's not going to brush his teeth, teeth with it, you know. So, um, so we agonize with all, about all these decisions. Here's the best way to make a decision. Just find Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Surrender your heart to Jesus. Be under the influence of Jesus. And when you get a choice, pick one. <laughs> it will be fine. <laughs> so he's, if, if he's infiltrated your mind, if your heart and mind is so connected, when you think he thinks, when you, he thinks you thinks, you, you, you can't really know where do I end, where does he begin, because we are one. There's no concept of, I'm different than him because I'm in him and he's in me. So a thought came and I trust it because I know he's in me and I just do it. So there's no internal conflict because he is our peace. Does it make sense? So how, how do you make a decision? Just know Jesus every day. And when the decision comes, just make a decision. Okay. Ask Lenae, <laughs> what happens when I try to buy a car? <laughs> so, um, usually, but I do this because I just love cars. Okay, so I, I, I will investigate every possible option south of the hemisphere. But, like the other day, in April, we bought a car. And both of us just had a, had a check in our heart. Go for that one. Then go for that one. Otherwise, just pick one. Okay? So, all your issues about how do I do this and how do I... You don't even know, have to know anything about cars. You don't know about your decision, about whatever. You just you need to know Him. You just feel, hey, this one. Then you do it and that one will work. Maybe this is for someone. I don't know. Okay. Let me just get back to the word. So it says, what shall we say? That was verse 1. Come on, man. How long are we going to take? Okay. Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptized into his death means grafted into him. Okay? So, he's the tree. Okay. So, the tree was cut down. But salvation still had to come from the Jews. But out of the root of Jesse grew a tender plant. So he, 
Here comes Jesus and he grows up. We are grafted into him. He became the tree of knowledge. It was cut down. And out of the, the dead thing grew up the tender tree. Okay? Uh, that's incidentally what Nazareth means. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazar is a, uh, is a branch. And Eth is a town of no significance. So Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the branch growing out, son of the Most High God. Okay, so the, the tree of knowledge. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. He became the serpent. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So he was destroyed on that cross. They put him in a tomb. But on the third day he rose again. The, the branch grew out again. All right. So... Um, we are now grafted into that. Which means we are grafted into the whole process. The death, the cutting down, the growing out, everything because we are in, grafted into that branch. So now the life that flows there flows into us and we can bear the fruit of, of this branch. Okay, so in the same way, he died, but I, when I, I was baptized into his death i live in 2021 almost said 2010 that's some time ago okay i live in 2021 jesus died more or less 2000 years ago okay so i wasn't there i wasn't in some weird ways you know pre-existing in him now I'm remembering why really no nonsense I started existing in 1979 okay before then I was not <laughs> all right so when I was baptized I died and Christ who died on that cross Christ, who went to the tomb and was risen from, was raised from the dead, came into me. I was raised in union with him. So baptism is an expression, it's an action of me dying with, with him and being raised in union with him. Baptism is not me sealing a covenant. There's not one scripture that says it. But baptism is I demonstrate by action that I believe that I have died with him. I'm of this opinion that if one died, all died. So I lay down my life. I lose the natural thing order that I may gain Christ and I'm raised in union with him right so now after that happened it's not gonna necessarily be that people see only your new nature and never ever see your old nature again you know but it's a point of reference but you can go back and say I died there, I was buried there, and I was raised to a new life. And you can hold on to that fact. I died and he's alive in me. And then you have something to hold on, a point of contact of faith that you can believe I died and I was and Christ was raised in me. All right. All right, so he says, if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his. How did we share his death? <whistles> Baptism. We shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. For when a man dies, he's freed from the power of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. 
Because we know that Christ, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. So Jesus died, was raised in unbroken fellowship with God. So now I am cut from another tree. I'm grafted into this ever-living tree. And I partake of the life that comes of it, and I can bear the fruit. He died for me. He was raised, branch growing out for me. I'm just grafted into it, cut from my old tree, grafted into the new tree. Now you can destroy that old tree. Okay, now it can be, you know, cut and I'm grafted in. Now I share in the same life that so now years later that branch is still there. Years later there's another dead branch that you can just, you know, or a dead you can just cut off and see this amazing thing that now happens, grafted in and life comes to this branch and he starts bearing fruit. And you go to that oh there's another dead branch and you're grafted in, and the life comes in. And that's baptism. Baptism means you die to your natural existence, all your traditions, all your ways of thinking, the way that you think you're right and wrong, everything. You give up your opinions. And you find one new life in him who, was die, who died for you and who was raised for you. He gave up everything for us to save us. He didn't have to do that. Don't you think we can lay down our useless rubbish to partake <laughs> of this glorious life that is giving to us freely on a platter? There's only one place where you will get life and light. That is in him. I hope it makes sense. Okay? So he says, when a man dies, he is freed from the power of sin. If we die, we believe that we shall live with him. So we're freed from that sinful tree grafted into man. Now it says, verse 11, Even so consider yourselves also. Dead to sin, your relation to it broken, alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. You can now consider yourself. Having been baptized, you can consider yourself. Dead to that source. Cut off from vital union with that tree that used to give you your nature. And now... This branch, you find your life in him. It's only a matter of time until that branch starts looking like the, the other branches. The transformation happens as you receive the life. Your focus is not to be right. Your focus is to know Jesus. It's to have fellowship with Jesus. Okay. All right. And then he says, let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal bodies. So how will sin not rule? Well, I find my union with Christ. So sin will not rule. If I find my union elsewhere, the commandment will make the sin to revive again, that nature to revive again. And guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle with the same thing again. Okay. All right, let's go to John chapter 5. And then we go to John chapter 11. Verse 21 says, John 5, Just as the Father raises up the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whomever He wills and is pleased to give it. You don't have to beg Him. He's pleased to give life. Even the Father judges no one, for He has given all judgment 
the whole business of judging, the last judgment, entirely into the hands of his son. So that all men may give honor to the son just as they give honor to the father. In fact, those who do not give honor to the son does not honor the father who has sent him. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the person whose ears are open to my words, who listens to my message, and believes and trusts and clings, relies on him who sent me, has, possesses now in brackets, eternal life. And he does not come into judgment. Does not incur sentence of judgment. Will not come under condemnation. But has already passed over out of death into life. Now just read that scripture with this understanding of, I was in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's where I came from. And I did bear fruit, judging everyone, cursing everyone, and being cursed in itself, only leading to death. So that, that tree would be judged. That's the, the destiny of that tree. But because of Jesus' mercy, I was cut down from this tree. And I was grafted into this tree. Now, I will not come into judgment anymore because I'm not, I'm not in that tree anymore. I'm not under the law anymore, the judges, but I'm under grace. Does it, does it make sense? I think that's the essence of Christianity. I've died. I'm cut from there and I'm grafted in here. I was buried and I was raised to a new life, baptism. Okay. So your life is not about trying to impress Jesus. Your life is not about trying to live better in order that one day when he opens his big book, you know, that three quarters of the book won't be written about you, you know, all the bad stuff that you did. Okay. So even even if you know if you if you take that picture and the, the book is open, your page will just be clean. All that would be written about you is your name is written in the book of life. And if we really go for the works, we'll just see everything that Jesus did through you, Jesus did through you, Jesus did through you, Jesus did through you. All the other stuff is blotted out, wiped away, set aside, nailed to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 in the Amplified. Okay? Their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8, Hebrews 10. God is not remembering it. It's not, there's no book of remembrance of your sin if you, if, you were, if you died and you were reborn in Christ. Does it make sense? All of this is scripture. Those who believe will never be judged, never be condemned. They were cut off from that tree. That tree will be judged, but you're now in this tree. I don't know about you, but this really, really blesses me. <laughs> this, this whole thing of being engrafted and moving to the different tree has, has opened so much for me. Okay. All right. John 5, just a little bit further on, verse 39. You search and investigate, pour over the scriptures diligently, and you suppose that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me, and still you are not willing but refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. The scriptures are there. But they, they see themselves in the scriptures and they try to do the scriptures instead of seeing that the scriptures testify about Jesus and recognizing Jesus and coming to Jesus. When you read it, see Jesus, look for Jesus, meditate Jesus, see his face. Don't see yourself. Don't try to change your own life by reading this book because it's not going to bring you life. What's going to bring you life is when you come to Jesus and Jesus has life. Jesus is light. He will bring life to you. So you have to come to him. Verse 41. I receive not glory from men, 
I know you and recognize, understand that you have not the love of God in you, verse 42. So there's the love again, back to 2 Corinthians 5.14. Okay, now he says, verse 45. Put out of your minds the thought. Do not suppose, as some of you are supposing, that I will accuse you before the Father. There is one who accuses you. It is Moses, the very one on whom you have built your hopes, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe and rely on me, for he wrote about me. <laughs> when you read it, come on. Put out of your minds the thought that Jesus will accuse you before the Father. That's from the other tree. You're now at this tree. There's no judgment. There's no accusation. If you graft it into this tree, no judgment. Your sins are forgiven. You are born again into an ever-living hope, to everlasting inheritance. Okay? Oh, but everyone must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Haven't you come to the mercy seat? Haven't you come to the throne of grace? Isn't that the cross? So if you are judged, let's then, let's, if you want to say technically be judged, okay, fine. The word judge simply means to decide between two. Okay? The verdict will be not guilty. That's also a judgment. <laughs> All right? Those who believe will never be the word there actually in John 3, uh, 3.18 is condemned. You'll see the King James also says condemned. Those who believe will never be condemned. So the judgment will always be not guilty. Why is the judgment not guilty? You graft it into the not guilty tree. You're in Christ. He's innocent, and because your union with him, because of your union with him, you are made innocent. Your fellowship with his blood, your fellowship with his broken body. That's communion. First Corinthians chapter ten. In eating his body broken for us, is it not fellowship with his body? In drinking the cup, is it not fellowship with his blood? For we, no matter how numerous we are, are one body because we all partake of one bread. Okay? So, we are made one tree. <laughs> one body grafted into the same branch that, that has life. In him is life, and the life is the light of men. Okay. What's the last one that I wanted to go to? John 11. Okay. So, here's... I'm just going to make it really short. Um, John, uh, Jesus comes and Lazarus, Lazarus died. So Jesus was away, you know, and he knew Lazarus was sick and he stayed a couple of days longer. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus is sleeping. So they said, okay, well, then he will be fine you see if, if he's sleeping nicely. He said, no, he's dead. So they went back. He said, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can see. You know, this is going to end in the glory of God. So he says, uh, he came, and now he comes to Martha and Mary, and their brother is dead. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a, that's a good revelation. She started to see who Jesus is. That's a fact. If Jesus was there, he would not have died, okay? Verse 22, And even now I know whatever you ask from God, he will grant you. Jesus said to her, Your brother shall rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So first she's in the past, then she's in the future. But he's with her right now saying your brother will rise. Okay, Martha replied, I know one day, verse 25, Jesus said, I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes on me, although he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believes in me 
shall never die at all. Do you believe this? So there's two groups. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, yet he shall live. We all believe this. We all believe in the resurrection. Okay? The creed of Nicaea, I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, etc. I know it better in Afrikaans. Okay, so, but then he says, he will come to judge the living and the dead, but he, he, there's, he's, we believe in the, in the resurrection of the dead. Okay? So, but then there's a different group that he's talking about. He says, he says, I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believes in me will never die. So there's people who believe, that's most, die and will be raised. But he's making provision for a group of people that will believe and live and not die. All right. Now I've stepped into something. Let me just, let me just touch on Romans 8. I'll close this. I'll give myself two minutes. Romans 8 verse 10 says the following. If we, if we can get it on the screen. He says, if Christ lives in you, then although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is alive, or the King James says, is life because of righteousness that he imputes to you. So Christ is now your righteousness, and in Christ is life and light. He is your righteousness. You knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He is your righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Okay. If he lives in you, your body is dead by reason of sin and guilt. But your spirit is made alive because of righteousness that he, that he imputes to you. So spirit, soul, body, your spirit is alive. Now, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So now there's a dwelling. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. So there's there's a believing, but then there's a dwelling. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So those who dwell must happen before the rest of Psalm 91 can happen. So the dwelling, the abiding in, the grafting in, the remaining in Him. In other words, your mind should not exist apart from His mind. There's no, there's no room for any opinions that differ from his opinions. His mind, his thought, his heart, nothing else. Jesus said, John 5, 19 and John 12, whatever, I only say what I hear him say, I only do what I see him do. Okay? I said nothing of myself, says Jesus. Okay. So, when we abide, He abides in us. If that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, He will touch our mortal bodies. He will quicken our mortal bodies. So, there's one group. Their bodies alive because it's a natural life okay but their bodies are dead by reason of sin and guilt 
not touched by the supernatural life. But their spirit is alive. But then there's another group. Now that life that touched Jesus and raised his dead body to life, that spirit starts to dwell in them, in their soul dimension. It starts to manifest, it starts to touch their body until their bodies live. Right? So we are supposed to dwell in him and he in us. I've started a new sermon, but I need to wrap it up. Okay. Dwell in him, he will dwell in you. Dwell in him, he will dwell in you. My determined purpose is that I may know him and the power outflowing of his resurrection. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me, touching my mortal body. All right. I can't go into more. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> because we're going to be here for another three hours. So, okay. So, but the point is this. In him is life and in him is light. All right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are our life. You are our light. Lord Jesus, we want your desires to be active in us. We want your uh, mind to be thinking in us. We want your life active in us. We surrender our lives, Lord. So today, we just, we just confess this, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you. We, we surrender ourselves to you. And we say, here we are, Lord. And, uh, dwell in us. Take our lives completely. Lord Jesus, we pray that your, your life and your light will be in us. Let us be an answer to the world. Let us bear fruit and let the world see Christ in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.